Welcome this morning. Uh, I am I'm super excited about um, really our next three weeks together. Um, we have an opportunity to um, kind of in our teaching calendar every year. We we typically follow our other bedrock churches, and so uh, one of the cool things we get to do is we get to meet together um, as as pastors and elders. Um, we get to meet together and we get to uh, study for our sermons and stuff together and. Um, so we had kind of a gap in our teaching schedule for the next three weeks before we begin our fall series. Um, just to kind of give you a little sneak preview, we're going to be looking at the life of Elijah um, over over the course of the fall. And so uh, we had three weeks in there, and I was really um, trying to figure out what exactly we wanted to, to teach on for those three weeks. And um, something's really been on my heart for the last six or eight months, um, and really has just kind of come out from the DNA of who we've decided as a church that we want to be and, and how we want to um, really just kind of, uh, you know, really our, our mission, I guess, is probably the best way to, to, to kind of phrase that is, is what it means to be a disciple. What does it mean not only to uh, follow Jesus, but then also this command that Jesus gives us then that as followers of Jesus, we should then go and, and make more followers of Jesus. And what does that, what does that look like? Uh, how do we do that? And so for the next three weeks, we're going to be looking through uh, this passage, the central passage in Matthew 28, um, 16 through 20, uh, of the Great Commission. And, and, and what, what is Jesus saying here? These are, these are some of his final words that we have recorded. And so um, this is a very significant moment. And so we're going to be tracing through that. And so we're calling the series Multiply, uh, because I think at the end of the day, as we walk through this, we're going to see that um, it's, it's nearly impossible to actually be a follower of Jesus without then multiplying what he's put into you in the life of somebody else. Um, that's really what this command is all about, is, is to make more. And really this idea of multiply, it, it goes all the way back. Um, so this morning I'm going to do a little Bible trivia. Um, see if anybody, can, can you guys think of where the first place that we see this idea, this concept, or maybe the word multiply show up in Scripture? Anybody, anybody have any idea? Genesis. Genesis, okay. Any more specific? That's oh, a good guess. It's a good place. Be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful and multiply. Very good. So Genesis 1, 28, um, I believe, is where God gives the, the first command, the really the first instructions uh, to uh, those first two humans that he creates, right? He, he, he breathes life into them and he creates them. And then he says, be fruitful and multiply, Right? Be fruitful and multiply. Um, and that's from the very beginning, this, this command to, to multiply, where we see the beginnings of this command. Um, and, and, of course, we know the story, right? We talk about this every week. The story is we don't get too far into the story of humanity before, uh, as humanity, we mess that up. So we get about three chapters into it, right? And, and we know that uh, humanity decides to walk away from this perfect relationship with God, and it messes and it fractures that relationship, right? And the rest of the Bible is really the story of, of how does God come and restore that relationship. God puts a plan in motion to fix that. And it's really interesting if you, if you look carefully at the plan that God uses, he starts with two other individuals, right? Named Abraham and Sarah, right? And God gives a promise to them that through them he's going to fix this problem. He's going to send the solution to this problem. We, we know that ultimately that solution comes through Jesus Christ, right, as, as the promised Messiah. Um, 
And so then if we look at what Jesus says, right, as, as the solution, as the one that all of this, the story of the Bible has been pointing up to this, to this moment, and we look at what Jesus says, and what does Jesus tell those that follow him? And we come to Matthew 28, right? We come to Matthew 28, um, verses 16 through 20. And so every week I just want to read through this together, and then we're going to look at a different part of that, um, of this command that he gives. Starting in verse 16, it says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Church, let's, uh, let's just pray one more time this morning, and then we're going to dive into the first part of this, this passage. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for, God, this time that we could come and we could study and we could be encouraged. God, that our lives could be catapulted in the direction of following you closer and more intently, Father. God, we, we thank you that, God, that we have your word recorded for us. God, we have a guide, a record to show us how to live this life. God, may we be faithful to that. God, may I be faithful in teaching your word this morning. We love you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. So, so the Great Commission, the Great Commission, this is, this is, a, this is a pretty big deal in Scripture. In fact, um, this, this commandment, this commissioning that Jesus gives here actually shows up in all four gospel accounts. And that may not sound like, from, from the outside, that may not sound like a big deal. Like, you, maybe you expect that all four of them say the same thing, but they don't. If you read through each of the gospel accounts, they, they highlight different stories in different accounts. And so, uh, maybe one story may be found in, in two or maybe three gospel accounts most of the time. Um, and the reason for that is just because uh, the gospel accounts were written from an eyewitness testimony standpoint, right? So, so they're writing what they remember in the life of Jesus Christ. As they observed it, they're writing that back, what they, what they remember. And so just like if we all saw the same event, we would remember different aspects of that. So, so is the case with what we have in the four gospel accounts. It's, it's what each of the gospel writers remember from each of those gospel accounts. And so, and so here, though, it's significant that all four of them write about this, right? That should tell us that this is an important moment. Like they, As they were all thinking back through the life of Jesus, they all remembered this moment, right, and what Jesus said. And I think that, that, that brings to, to mind the question of why do they remember that? What was so significant about this moment that they remembered that? Um, and I think as we answer that question, we'll also answer the question for ourselves today, why we should multiply. Because that's the question for us today, is why should we do this? Why should we go, and let's just be honest, like it's uncomfortable, it's hard, it takes effort, it takes us getting out of our comfort zone to go and invest in the lives of other people and make disciples. Like it's not an easy thing to do. And I think the answer to both of those questions are one and the same. And I think we find the answer to that um, in the very beginning of this passage. So let's trace back. Let's go back to looking at verse 16 and through 18 on Matthew 28. All right? So what do we learn? It says, now the 11 disciples, remember Judas had dropped off, right? He had, he had 
sold out Jesus, and so Judas is no longer with them. Um, And so there's the 11 disciples, and they went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped, but some doubted. Okay, so so just kind of context for the story. Remember Jesus, remember baby Jesus in the beginning, right? Little baby Jesus, God, God wrapped in flesh, grew up to a man Jesus, spent three years going around teaching and preaching about this thing called the gospel, uh, about the kingdom, right? And the good news of the kingdom, healing people, casting out demons, doing all of these miraculous signs and wonders uh, as proof of who he said he was, which was the son of God, the Messiah, which they were looking for. And so, and so because of that, right, he was, he was killed, he was hung on the Roman cross, right? Um, and he was buried in a tomb. And so for his disciples, for these followers of his, they've been on an emotional roller coaster. I mean, think about it, right? They went from thinking, man, I'm a nobody, and Jesus has now called me. Uh, I was called by this, by this rabbi, and so my life is going to be wonderful. And they kept arguing about who was going to be the greatest. And then all of a sudden, that rabbi that they had followed for three years, right, he dies. And what do, what do the disciples do in that moment, right? They scatter, right? They run, they hide, and they kind of put their tails between their legs, right? And they just kind of say, oh, I guess we just wasted the last three years. But then there's that Easter morning, right? The hope of, of three days later when Jesus raises back from the dead, right? God raised him from the dead, right? And then for 40 years between that point um, and, and this point, for, I mean, for 40 days, um, Jesus goes around and he meets with them, right? And he, he talks with them and he teaches them things and he eats with them and he spends time with them. And this is where we find the context of this passage. So Jesus had met with his 11 disciples, and at some point he had told them, hey, I want you to go meet me over on this mountain. And so they show up, right? And look at what their reaction was when they see him. So they worshipped him, right? When they saw him, they worshipped, but some, some doubted. And I've read through this passage many times. In fact, I've, I've studied through it even in seminary many times. And I've always never really clued into this last little tidbit that I found so interesting this week as I was studying for this. That even though they saw the resurrected Jesus, there were some that doubted. And uh, I think it's just interesting. You know, there's, there's kind of two thoughts out there. Is this two groups of people it's talking about? Or is this just one group um, of people that some of them worship and some of them, some of them doubted? Or maybe even within the same group, some of them worship, but yet they still had some doubts. And I think if we're honest, like, like a lot of us, we find ourselves in that situation today, right? Like we know the news of Jesus. We know the story of the gospel. We know all of the good news of the gospel. And we say that we believe it. But yet we still have some doubts in there. Um, another way to translate this word doubt is really hesitation, right? Some of them, they, they worshipped him, but yet some hesitated, because of all that they had been through, because of all that had happened up, leading up into this moment, there was some hesitation, there was some uncertainty. And I think if we're real honest, each one of us, we've had moments in our life of, of that kind of uncertainty, right? Like we've acknowledged who Jesus is, but we've yet kind of, I don't know, just had some uncertainty as to who he really was and is he really the son of God and is he really the Messiah and do I really want to invest all of my life into what he calls me to do. And so I think we find ourselves in a similar place with his disciples a lot of times. And I love I love what, what Jesus, how Jesus answers their doubts and their questions, right? And in verse 18, 
Jesus gives an answer to them. And, and I love that, that Jesus doesn't like criticize them for doubting, right? He doesn't like yell at them for it. He just goes directly at the heart of what they're thinking and what's in their minds. Verse, verse 18 says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Right? This is, this is a huge, huge statement here that Jesus is making. This is a huge moment of what he's saying, right? Because, because the disciples had been in this place of following Jesus, right? And, and, and they had their, their whole world's kind of been turned upside down. And so they have some, some doubts, right? Some questions, some uncertainty in there. And Jesus comes in and he says, let me clear all this up for you. All authority has been given in heaven and on earth. You see, there was a, there was a moment in time when Jesus came and he wrapped himself in flesh. In order to come as humanity, he set aside, he had to limit some of his power so that he could experience the full breadth of, of being our sacrifice, of being human. And so he, he had to allow humanity to, to mistreat him and to, and to hang him on a cross so that he could be that sacrifice, right? I mean, Paul writes about the humility that Jesus has um, in order to, to, to come in and put on humanity. Look in Philippians chapter 2 with me real quick. Um, verses 8 through 11, right? And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross, right? Jesus had to, as he came down to earth, he set aside some of his rights as the Son of God, right? So that he could wrap himself in flesh and take on our, uh, the weight of our sin, right? But I love the, the second part of that. Therefore, because he did that, though, now God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus is the Lord, to the glory of God the Father. You see, there was a moment when Jesus had set those things aside. What Jesus is saying in this moment, he's passed the grave, he's overcome the grave, and he is no longer setting those, those things aside. He is in his complete glorified position, right? And so he's coming and he's letting them know, you know what, yeah, there may be some doubts and questions, but let me clear this up. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, right? To phrase it in another way, he's saying there is no limit to my power, and thus there is now no limit to my authority, and I think that's significant, right? I think it's significant that we acknowledge this. Before we look specifically at what Jesus calls us to do, we look at what Jesus says in the, in the preface to this commission, right? As, as Jesus is telling us, um, before he calls us to go in and make disciples, he's saying, you know what? First, you need to acknowledge that, that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Right? Because I think what happens in our life is a lot of times we skip over that part and we just try to go and do the make disciples part. And then it gets hard and then we get frustrated and then we give up. Right? Because at the end of the day, we're just doing it for some other reason other than the fact that Jesus is our Lord and he's our king and he's called us to do it. And if we don't start with that as the base level, I don't think we're ever going to fully give our lives away to being his disciples and making disciples. So we have to acknowledge his authority in our lives. You know, it's kind of like what Jesus is saying here in this moment. It's, it's kind of like, it reminds me of, um, of something that, that, uh, that happens with, with the banking world. You know, in the banking world, like if you get a debit card, 
right? A lot of times you'll have the option to opt in for what they call like overage protection. Are you guys familiar with that? Like overage protection. So basically if you go and swipe your card at Walmart and you don't have money in there, the bank, just because they're so kind and so, so nice, they'll cover that charge for you for a nice little fee, right? But they'll actually allow that, that process, that amount to be processed even if you don't have money in the account. Right, and I remember there was there was a time like what they'll tell you is they'll say you know what you can opt in for this, and then later on down the road at any point you want to you can just opt out. Right, if you decide that you no longer need that that service, you can just opt out. And I think that is kind of how we handle what Jesus calls us to do a lot of times in our lives. We think you know what I'm going to opt in to following Jesus and being a follower of Jesus, but if it gets too hard, right? If 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 it goes against what I'm comfortable with, if it goes against what is convenient for me. I'm just going to opt out. And what Jesus is letting his disciples know is that if you're going to be my follower, right, all authority has been given to me. And so there's no opting out, right? This is a put all your chips in kind of moment that he's calling his disciples to. And he's reminding them that, that because of who he is, because of what he's done, they need to be all in as well. And so there's no opt out. And I think that's, that's important for us to to just be reminded of that um, before we even look at what he calls us to do. Um, see, it's really easy, and, and I speak from this from experience, it's really easy for us to kind of sit around sometimes and, and, and make excuses why we can't do what Jesus has called us to do. Isn't it? I mean, think about it. We've, we've all had that moment, right? We've all known that there's probably been sitting in that situation where we felt the Spirit pressing on us, right, to have that conversation, to, to get out of our comfort zone and go talk to that person or to, to be open in that moment where maybe somebody's sitting around and saying something that's just not right and, and, and God has just been pressing on us to, to speak truth in that moment or, or to go have that conversation, right? And what's the first thing we do? We come up with a million and one excuses of why we shouldn't do that. At least I do. Just like shake your head, make me feel a little bit better about myself this morning. I'm not the only one that does that, right? Like, like sometimes I think I'm crazy, right? Sometimes I'm just like, I come up with all these like ridiculous excuses, and then I think, you know what? I'm the only person in the world that comes up with those. But the longer I've been following Jesus and, and journeying this, I realize that this is kind of a universal question that we all have. This is a universal excuse that we all make, right? As, as to whether I'm completely in. And I think before we dive deep into this co commandment <coughs> Jesus calls us to, we need to just acknowledge that. And we need to, to just uh, decide, really, is what he's asking his disciples to do is, is do you believe this? If you're going to be my disciples, I've now been given all authority in heaven and on earth. And that also means in, in each and every one of our lives as well. Right? I think it's, it's kind of easy sometimes, easier maybe for us to think about Jesus having control of everything that happens in the world, right? Like we, we would probably all acknowledge that the sun rises and sets every day and God is, 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 is behind the scenes making sure that all that happens and, and these things function. But for whatever reason, when it comes to our personal lives, I think we have a harder time giving complete authority over to Jesus and what he tells us to do and how he tells us to live. And so what I want us to do is, is I want us to take a couple of minutes um, and I want us to, to kind of talk through this, um, this experience that we have um, of, of making excuses why we can't follow Jesus' commands completely. Um, and I just want to give us a place and a platform to just kind of talk through that so we can kind of get that all out of the way before we look at what he has for us to do. Um, because, I, because I believe wholeheartedly if we come into 
uh, looking at this commission and this commandment without first completely laying all those things aside and giving it over to him that we're never going to follow him completely. So let's take a couple of minutes and let's just talk about what are some of the excuses or reasons that we give for not following Jesus's command to make, which is ultimately going to be to make other disciples, right? What are some of those excuses that we make for not being able to do that? Okay. And then we'll come back together and we're going to look at the first part of this commission that Jesus gives to his disciples. Okay. So let's take about five minutes, discuss that. Let's get in, in groups of uh, five or so, maybe uh, people that are kind of sitting close to you and then we'll come back together. Well, hopefully, uh, hopefully that that time of discussing that was really helpful. Um, I know, I know, in our group, that was extremely important just to kind of talk through those excuses and and realize that we all we all have those excuses. But yet, if we can acknowledge that that Jesus, right, and I think this was the game changer for the disciples, and it should be the game changer for us, is that the man who overcame uh, who overcame death is the one that's giving the instructions to go and make disciples. I think when we can acknowledge that and when we truly understand that, um, it helps us to realize that we just have to take those excuses and just throw them out the window because he is in charge, he is God, and we're not. Um, and so and so once that has been set as our platform, right, um, let's, we're going to look at the first part of this commissioning. And, and today we're really just, just going to be looking at two words that Jesus tells them. Go, therefore, right? Really just one word. Um, go, um, and and what they're going to go and do, we have to kind of hit that a little bit is make disciples. And we're going to talk about that more in depth next week. Um, but, but a disciple is just, it's a follower, right? It's someone who, who follows Jesus completely. And so, so the picture then, uh, as far as multiplication goes or multiplying goes, um, is just a picture of, um, what God has done in your life now being part of the process of God doing that in somebody else's life. That's, that's the idea of, of making a disciple. Uh, it's a follower of Jesus. And so I want us to look at this idea, this concept of the word go. Go, the first, first word that Jesus starts off here. And I don't know about you, I'm not really an English person, uh, English major. Um, I speak English, kind of. Um, and I'm really glad that Holly's not here today. Um, and Letitia is back with the kids, so they won't correct my ignorance of the English language and all the parts that go in there, right? Um, but, but for a long time, this, this word go here in the Greek, in the original language, is what they call a participle. Um, I don't know if you guys know anything about participles. I don't talk about participles on a regular basis, um, but on so Sunday morning. Say what? Wonders in your cup. Some part, part, that's particles, yeah. <laughs> Close to participles. Um, and so, uh, but a participle is, is a verbal adjective, as I understand what that means. Um, so, so for a long time, I thought this commandment was more like, while you're going, make disciples, right? And, and it sounds really good, um, but as I've been diving into this deeper and, and, and reading people who are way smarter about the Greek language and even the English language than I'll ever be, what they say is that because this participle, because this word go is attached to a commandment, which is the make disciples part of this verse, it actually turns, it, it's, it's like a transformer, right? This is how I can understand it. It transforms this participle into a commandment, into a verb. And so it's really not while you're going, but it's really the command to go, right? With, with like an exclamation point behind it. So it's, it's not just like this is this kind of unassuming, you know, as you're just kind of mindlessly wandering through life, but it's really the idea of intentionality of going. I'm going to make an effort and I'm going to go. And I think what we realize that um, is when we look at multiplication, multiplication requires movement, 
right? There's no way that we're going to multiply what Jesus has done inside of each one of our lives if we stay in our comfortable little circles. And, and that's what we talked about a lot in our group was how um, a lot of times comfort is the biggest adversary to us uh, actually going and making disciples. I don't want to get out of my comfort zone. I don't want to go and engage with people that aren't like me or people that I don't know. Or, or what are people going to think about me if I go and upset our friendship, you know, that we kind of have always had for all these years by talking about Jesus and telling them um, about him. And yet this word go, if we're going to multiply, it's going to require us to get out of our comfort zones and us to, to go, to be missional, to move, right? Um, and, and so it's going to require us to go um, and, to, and to make disciples. And, and, and part of that idea of, of movement, right, um, and what Jesus is saying here is it's a call to be intentional. It's a call to be intentional. Um, we're, we're not going to go and make disciples if we're not intentional about it. And throughout Scripture, we see different places that, um, that the church or, or followers of God had to be intentional with what they, what they, where they went. Um, if you guys remember Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah's in the throne room, right? And it's that moment where he sees God um, in the glory of God, right? And, and there's this moment in verse 8 where, where he hears God saying, And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And then I said, Here I, here I am, send me. Right? There's this intentionality that's going to take. If we're going to go and make disciples, we're not going to do that. Uh, by just sitting doing the same things that we've always done, but it's going to require movement and intentionality. Um, Acts chapter 9, verse 31, right? Gives us a little picture into how the church, early church did this. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up. And walking in the fear of the Lord, right? Acknowledging who God was, right? And the authority of God. As they were walking, intentionally walking and following the Lord and in the comfort of the Spirit, it multiplied. It multiplied. And so if we're going to go, if we're going to truly follow what Jesus calls us to do, it's going to require some intentionality on our part, right? Being able to go and to share our faith, it's not just going to happen by random chance. But I have to make an intentional effort to do that, right? And I think that's, I think that's really hard. Um, I think it's really hard sometimes, um, you know, when you're, when you're sitting maybe at the break room at work or maybe you're sitting around with a group of friends and, like, you, you feel the, the spirit pressing in on you, right? And you know that you need to be really intentional with those people. It's really hard sometimes to take that leap, to take that step to be intentional, but that's what God has called us to do. So in order for us to go and to make, um, to make disciples, this movement's going to require intentionality and it's also going to require... Uh, a missional mindset, if you will, a missional mindset, um, and and really, really, what that what that means is 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 that I always need to be thinking about what God wants me to do, right? That needs to be the first thing in my mind when I wake up and the last thing when I go to bed, right? If Jesus has been given all authority, if I've given him all authority in my life, he's the first thing I think about and the last thing before I go to bed, um, and it's an incredible thing when we can be intentional. Uh, and we can be missional in our thinking, how many opportunities that we see that God puts before us. You guys ever done that? Uh, you ever been in that situation where uh, maybe you started your day off just seeking after God and just saying, you know, God, I just want to be obedient to you today. I want to do what you called me to do. Um, and it's this, this crazy parallel of when we're 
missional and we start out being intentional with God, first thing, how many opportunities we see throughout our day. Um, I've had this happen multiple, multiple times in my life. So many times that I don't think that it's coincidence. I think that when we seek God and we're being intentional and we're being missional in our thinking, God shows us opportunities um, that we can invest in people's lives, that we can be a witness for him, and that we can ultimately make disciples for him. Um, and so that, that actually happened two weeks ago. Um, I, I started this, this thing. I realized that um, since we moved to Rocky Mount, like in, into the, the big town of Rocky Mount now, and we're you know, Rocky, Rocky Mount town citizens, um, that, that I, was, I was driving to the coffee shop in town to go work because uh, there, there was a week that we were watching a few friends, kids throughout the day, and so we had 11 kids at the house. Um, and so in, in, my, in my realization, I was like, there's no way I'm going to get any studying done with 11 kids in the house. Um, that's just the, the, the possibility of that is just impossible. So um, I was like, I'm going to go this week, and I'm just going to go out and work at the coffee shop this week for, for a couple hours. Um, and so I decided instead of driving there, what I normally do, I said I'm just I'm going to walk there because it's only a mile um, to the coffee shop. I'm like, it'll be good for me to get out and get some fresh air and all that sort of stuff. Um, and, and on one of those mornings, um, uh, before, I, before I left, and this is not to, to praise me, it was just one of those moments that, that I just kind of hit my knees, and I said, God, before I go out, I said, I just show me where you want me go, to go today. Um, if there's somebody you want me to talk to, um, put them in my path today and just kind of show me those things that you want me to do. Um, and it was incredible. So on the way, on the walk in, um, I, I walked right, right past, almost walked right into a guy that I hadn't seen in several months. And we, were, we talked for probably about 30 minutes. Um, he's not connected with the church anywhere got some stuff going on in his life, and, and I, I really felt like that was just a, a moment that God was, was able to use to just kind of kind of uh, use me to encourage him a little bit and kind of uh, talk with him, and I was like, man, that's that's pretty cool. I was feeling pretty good, um, and so I go, and I, and I do my, my work, and of course, whenever I'm at the coffee shop, I always run into to people and, and see them while I'm there, but I'm, as I'm walking back, um, and I got my headphones in, right, and I'm in the zone. I'm like, I'm going to get my, my heartbeat up, and I'm going to get my reps in, and, you know, all that sort of stuff. And I'm walking back, and all of a sudden I'll walk by this guy that I went to high school with. And I was like, I was giving myself all of those excuses, right? I was like, man, I, I, I'm not going to bother him. He's got something going on. He looks really busy. I'm going to, yeah, yeah, yada. And I get about three steps away, and I just, the spirit's just like, <laughs> turn around and talk to him, you know? Um, and so, like, I, I pulled the headphones off, and I was like, hey, what's up, man? And uh, literally, I haven't talked to this guy since we graduated um, high school in, in 2001. Um, and, and, and it wasn't that, you know, we had a conversation, and he came to follow Jesus that day. But I, but I definitely feel like the Spirit was moving me in a direction to start a relationship, to, to reconnect with this guy. And he was telling me some things about his life there. Him and his wife are getting ready to have their first kid and, and all this sort of stuff. And so I, I was just like, it was so cool just to see when we're intentional and when we're missional in our mindset, right? When we're, we're trying to be intentional and we're missional in our mindset, how many opportunities that God puts before us uh, to share the gospel and to make disciples. And so this call, this call to go is really a call for every believer to participate in the taking of the gospel to other people, right? It's a, it's a call for us to go. And so, so one of the questions that naturally comes up then is like, well, where do I go, right? Like if I'm to go and to make disciples, where do I go? Um, 
And, and in uh, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus, again, is talking with his disciples. And, and I think we can learn a lot about what he says here um, about where to go. Acts chapter 8, verse 1, he says, But you will receive power. This is after Jesus saying, After I leave, you will receive power when the Spirit comes, has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Um, and I think what's significant here is, is not that um, we're going to get on a plane and actually go to Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria and all those places, right? But what are those in our context today? What are those places that, that we're called to go as his disciples? Well, as, as we're probably all aware, Jerusalem was where they were located. That was their community, where they were at. And so as we think about those places that we are to go and to make disciples, I think first and foremost we think about those places that are closest to us. What are those closest relationships that we have? Right? Because what I've seen in my life, and I've heard from other people who are intentional about sharing their faith, is that those that you're closest connected to are usually the ones that are going to give you the closest ear when you, when you have something to say to them. So who are those people in your community? Right? Who are those people? What are those relationships that you already have? Maybe it's family relationships. Right? Maybe it's, it's work relationships. Maybe it's people within just a immediate, um, you know, within a couple of miles of where you live, like in your neighborhood or close to you that you have, right? What are those people, who are those people that, that you see as part of your regular routine of life, right? <laughs> are you one of those people that goes to the same grocery store every week and you go to see the same cashier every week? Are you one of those people that goes to the same restaurant and see the same people? Who are those people that you ha- already have some, some bit of a relationship that's already in your community that's already here in Franklin County that you're seeing on a regular basis? And how can you then start to go and be intentional in your relationships with them? The next place as you kind of move out from, from Jerusalem is, is Judea and Samaria. Kind of the surrounding areas, right? What are those, what are those places that, that occasionally that you have the opportunity to go and maybe build some relationships there, right? For us, that would probably be places like Roanoke, maybe Martinsville, places that we may go not on a daily basis, but maybe once a week or once a month, right? And are there relationships and people that we know in those areas as well? It's going to take a little bit more effort. It's going to take a little bit more time. It's not going to naturally probably happen as much in our kind of day-to-day lives, but where are those relationships, right? Um, I found it interesting. One of the commentators said that with Samaria, it wasn't so much the idea that it was a different, um, a different area as much as it was the focus on a different people group even living within the same area. So even as we look at, at you know, our community, is there a group of people that by and large have not been reached with the gospel, right? Are there people? Are there pockets of people that aren't reached? Are there barriers? Um, one of the incredible things that, that Young Life is doing right now is they're, they have, um, they're starting something called Capernaum, which is an outreach to kids with special needs um, at the high school. And so they're finding, uh, by and large, the special needs community and those families are unreached, right, uh, for a lot of different reasons. And so they're finding new inroads to, to find unreached groups within our community of, of, of high school students, and they're trying to reach out to them and meet them uh, where they're at. So what are those? Like maybe it's, you know, maybe it's single moms. Maybe it's, um, maybe it's just by and large people who have kind of grown up. We've talked about this a lot, but maybe it's people who have grown up kind of in church and then at some point have walked away. And so they have kind of this history of church, and when you talk to them, they may even say that they're followers of Jesus, but yet they're not actively living that out, right? Who are those 
different people groups around? What are those different communities um, that we can reach out to? Um, and then finally, to the ends of the earth, right? And that's the call. We're going to talk about this next week, but that's the call to go um, and leave even the comforts of our community, leave the comforts of what's around us, and to go to a different place to be a light to share the gospel. And so as we look at this idea of going and this idea of intentionality, right, I think it's important practically that we look and, and talk about what are those places that we can go and, and share our faith. Who are those people that we uh, know around us that we can be intentional with and share our faith with? And so let's take, um, let's take another five minutes or so, and let's, let's talk about this question. What are the avenues in your life that, that you could leverage to make disciples, right? What are those people and those pockets and those places that you go already that you could go and, and share your faith with other people, that you could help make disciples? Um, where are those avenues in your life? Um, and then how can you be intentional and missional in those places, right? How can, how can you, as you, as you go to that, um, you know, as you go to that mommy date or as you go to that, um, you know, go to work on, on Monday morning or as you go to that restaurant, um, how can you not just kind of walk into it and let it happen, but how can you be intentional um, in, in connecting with those people? Um, and so let's take about five minutes um, and we're going to talk about that. And when we finish that, we're actually come up and do something really, really cool at the end um, as we kind of wrap up. Um, this idea of going and, and making disciples. So let's take about five minutes, and then we'll come back together. Um, all right, guys, um, we're gonna we're gonna bring it back together to close out today. Um, and and one of the things that we we've been talking about, um, one of the ideas that kind of came out from our from our leadership team, um, as far as how to do this series, um, and what we really wanted to focus on was um, giving other people within the church body the opportunity to, to just share how they share their faith with people and, and how they make disciples like in their own context, in their own lives. Um, and let me just say as a, as a preference, or a, as a, um, as before we get started with this, um, nobody that's going to come up and get interviewed for this, they're not saying that they're professionals at this. Um, in fact, if you talk with them, they probably say that um, I'm, I struggle with this just as much as everybody else does. Um, however, these are people that I've seen that are, are being intentional in some of these areas. And so um, I think how, what a great opportunity that we have to come and learn from other people and just to see how God is working and using them to make disciples. Um, and so um, today um, I've asked Sam and Cassandra to come. And they're going to come and just share with us a little bit. I'm going to ask them some questions because I'm going to have them come up here. And we're going to ask them some questions um, just about just about how they uh, are intentional in their life. And, um, you know, and I want to preface that because I know that we both, the first thing they're going to say is, I'm not perfect at this. I don't do it right every time. So I want to say that for them so they didn't have to say that. Um, so we can just get to the really good stuff of um, how, how you guys have been able to be intentional in your lives um, and where God has you. Um, so I got my co-host right here, Truett. He's going to, he just wanted to come up here with me. So um, if you guys get out of line, he's got a yo-yo. So, <laughs> um, so um, guys, we, we, we know you guys. Um, and so I just want to jump right into the questions real quick. Um, uh, so first, Chris, Andrea, um, what avenues in your everyday life have you found to be able to share your faith and, and disciple other people in? Well, as a stay-at-home mom with four little kids, um, my disciple 
like a coffee shop. Mm -hmm. It um, actually looks very scattered and all over the place. It's kind of messy like like this. So um, just an example would be like um, if we are living our life and we're going to a park, um, there might be the mom at the park that we find that is just a stranger that we um, seek out and I start having a conversation with her and we um, just kind of relate on the basis of just having kids, which is an awesome conversation starter. Sure. Because we're already on the same page. <laughs> um, so there's just those conversations and that can lead to inviting them to church or to a life group or just to a play date um, where you can build that relationship. Mm -hmm. There's also um, just where we go like we go to Kroger every week and I try to seek out the same cashier lady and we have intentional conversations, not about scripture usually, but just that I care about her and that, you know, she sees our family grow. There's the mail lady and um, she just went on a new mail route and she left us a little note that said, I love watching your children grow and being, you know, oh, wow. your yeah. family every day. Like just those things where we haven't had talked about Jesus but she knows that we care. Right. Um, and that's discipleship, too, because that can lead to something. Sure. Um, um, talk for just a second, Chris Andrea. Um, I know we're going a little bit off the script, but um, talk for just a second about that intentional effort piece, though, of that. Because I think that's, um, for those of us that know you really well, um, we know that that's a gift that God has really given you, is that when, when God puts somebody on your heart, um, nothing's going to get in the way of you making that connection with that person. So so what is that kind of driving force behind all that, that when you see that mom or you see that cashier or whatever, and you're like, she's going to get loved on today, right? She's going to get, I'm going to share Jesus practically with her. Or I'm going to connect with her. Whether she wants it or not, it's going to happen. Um, what, what gets your mind in that place, I guess? Because for, for a lot of us, we probably think the same thing, like, oh, there's somebody I should share with. But then we're like, yeah, but then there's a million of excuses why I, I can't. Like, what, how do you do that? What, what goes on in, in that well, process? Um, honestly, it's just when I have had my, like, I used to just be, like, the Sunday Christian that went to church and did my own life. Sure. And if somebody asked me, I would tell them about Jesus, but I'm not, I wasn't going to um, seek them out or anything. And then God just changed my life to where I'm actually following him now on a daily basis. And I'm in his word and I pr I'm praying every day. And, um, and when you're doing that, you just like overflow and you just want everybody around you. Like you get so excited, you want everybody to have that mm. and see that change and see how amazing it um, so that's where it comes from. And then also just, like, watching my kids. Like, I can tell my kids to go talk to people or tell my kids what the right thing to do is, but they're going to watch me do it. And so, you know, <coughs> watching me seek out other people, like now Naomi is, like, seeking out other people. And, it's the next generation. Yeah. And sometimes that's a little scary for me because I'm like, what is she going to say? <laughs> but, um... But she, she's already starting to do that. And so it's, uh, my children's heart are, is very motivating. But then my, um, honestly, there's also a, a harder side, which sometimes is family mm -hmm. and friends that don't know Christ. And you know they don't know Christ. And like you've already had a relationship with them. Those 
harder. That's where I have a hard time is the patience of just kind of living life with them. Mm. But I still seek out intentional things that I do with them just to even have an opportunity to be there with them. Sure. Even though that might not be my ideal fun Saturday night. Right. It's that intentionality, initial yes, mindset, it's, right? It's, it's kind of, in a way, sacrifice. Um, sure. Um, and then obviously in discipleship, I can't leave out the fact that my most important thing is my kids. Like, mm. that is my number one responsibility. Um, that closest circle we forget sometimes, right, are those, are yes. those that are living, those little people that are living within our, within our own homes, right, that we're also discipling them. Uh, I mean, one thing that, that, you know, I hear you saying is, like, how tragic would it be if we discipled all these people that live around us and live miles away from us, but we don't ever disciple those that live within our homes too, right? Um, so, so you want to share just a, just a minute about, like, what do you do in, in those relations, you know, with your kids to, to start to disciple them? Well, um, I was going to read a Deuteronomy 6. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. And you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And the first thing I wanted to bring out about this scripture is just that it starts out in verse 5. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. So it has to start with you. So if I'm going to teach my children, like it has to be an overflow of my relationship with Jesus Christ. And so I have to, it starts with me spending time with God and in prayer and praying for my children and others, of course. But And then just Everything we do around the house, um, our school, um, homeschool, but but just our relationships with each other and everyone that we meet. Um, and sometimes it is just as we go through life, but it's also going through life intentionally, like setting up play dates or setting up times to be with people intentionally, even though that's not the easy thing to do. Um, sure. Being intentional to um, just teach them about God in everything we do. Sure. Yeah, intentionality, I think, is the is the linchpin for all of those things, right? Um, I mean, you can do all of those things, but if you're not intentional about discipling, they're, they're not going to happen, right? All right, Trude, do you want to ask Mr. Sam a question? Yeah. Uh, how do you share Jesus with other people at work? Yeah, so <laughs> that's a tough one, buddy. Um, no. <laughs> Um, just in, in trying to follow God's command and being intentional with all of my conversations, like I spend 50 hours a week at work. If I'm not using that time intentionally, then what am I doing as a Christian? I'm not following that command. So, um, and it, it all starts from my perspective and, and the change that's happened in my life. Um, now I'm, I'm reading the Bible. I'm seeking out God for himself and, and trying to, to understand what he has for me. And just like we were studying in Isaiah 43, uh, verse 10, it says, declares the Lord, you are my witness. You are my witness. So God has chosen us to be a witness. And a witness to me is not something that, 
that we that we read and re regurgitate. A witness is someone who testifies to something that they have personally experienced. So, like we all have our own stories, we all have our own lives and, and situations that we've gone through. And if we can attribute that to God, and if we can attribute that to um, what He has done for us, then that's the biggest um, success that we can have. And, and being at the workplace, I mean, the most common thing you do at the workplace is you talk about. Um, when you're not, when I'm not currently working on a machine uh, or talking about work, you talk about what you've done that week. You talk about what you did over the weekend, and if that time uh, is is filled up with what you've done, um, like reading scripture or what you've done, what you've studied, um, preparing for something, what you've done with your kids to try to teach them more about um, what you believe, that kind of experience, that kind of witness, just comes out in your daily conversations with people. Uh, that's the biggest thing. Yeah, how cool is it that, you know, there's a company that you work for that's going to pay you a salary to meet your family's needs yeah. that's going to allow you to share your faith, you know? Exactly. Um, like, that's that's just a different perspective to think about. You know, most of the time when we go to work, uh, people, you know, those of us that, that may work in, in a secular work field somewhere, um, our mindset is we're getting paid to do a job so that we can make money to pay for our family, take care of our needs, you know, all that sort of stuff that we have versus the mindset of thinking, no, God has put me in this place. God has, God has given me this opportunity of where he has me, not just to earn a paycheck, but to make disciples and to share my faith and, and use those avenues. And, and that's really where, where I wanted, uh, you know, for all of us to be able to hear how God's using you guys, um, because the difference is, you know, um, you guys aren't doing anything necessarily outside of what you would normally do in life. Um, you're taking those kind of everyday places, but you're being intentional in each one of those. Um, you know, uh, Chris Andrew, you were going to, I mean, you're at home with the kids, you know, whether or not you, you are intentional about building disciples and, and having those conversations, you're still going to be at home with the kids. And so it's this, this, it's this mindset shift, right? From I'm not just here just to do this, but I'm going to use this opportunity to go and to share my faith. Same thing, same thing for you, Sam, at, at work, you know, I'm going to be there and I'm going to spend that time and I can either talk about things that, that really don't matter. Or I can think, talk about things that have eternal significance to them and, and share that. And so um, that's really that's really um, what I wanted um, you guys to to really talk about. Um, what is for you guys? And, and Chris, you sh you shared this a little bit, um, but what has been um, some of the challenges that you guys, or some of the obstacles that have come up as you guys have been trying to be more intentional? Well. Um And then also um, just being super intentional with every second of your life is absolutely exhausting. Sure. Yeah. Um, sometimes you just want to stop and be selfish and yeah. have like me time. Yeah. It's quite tempting. But then you know it's not right. So you keep, um, keep going. And um, Then also just especially having four little kids, like they're like little mirrors just reflecting my sin all the time. And so that's hard. And um, and I guess it's a good thing because you know that <laughs> you're recognizing that. Sure. But then it's just a hard part of it that um, you're constantly faced with your own sin 
all the time, but it, it motivates you to um, become closer to God and work on your sin, which will help them work on their sin and um, just be that example for them. And the only way to get to really um, live an intentional life, I think, is to have a community to help pour into you, to keep, um, I mean, you spend time with God on your own, that's very important, but um, then having that community to talk with and to support you and to kind of encourage you to keep going is important in being intentional. Absolutely. Same challenges that you've kind of hit at trying to be intentional in, in the in your workplace, in your I think uh, most of the challenges I place on myself in the fear of, of losing that comfort, um, but in all of the situations that um, I have, I have, I have not worried about what they, what people would think of me. There have been have been the greatest rewards. Um, and talking to some of the people, some of the best conversations I've had are people that don't believe in religion at all or any kind of God, um, the atheists. Um, they're, they seem to be actually the most curious. Um, some of the conversations I've had with them have been the most rewarding just because they're really, they're curious. I mean, people are curious. And I think all people, are, they, they know, they know that there's something that they're missing and they're just kind of seeking out answers. Um, and those are actually the people that have come back to me and asked questions um, about, cool. about what we've talked about. Yeah. So, so if you guys would give, uh, as we kind of wrap up today, if you guys would give a challenge to us as the church, like as far as being intentional and, and, and how, how to do that, like what would, what would that encouragement be for us um, in our day-to-day lives and the places that God has placed us, you know, in, that, in our Jerusalem that we are in every single day? Um, what, would that, what would that encouragement be as far as how to be intentional, missional? My encouragement would be to what you were saying is like prepare yourself because I think if you just go out and expect it to happen, it's not going to happen. It it takes it takes um, you have to prepare yourself for it. So you you sit down in the morning and you pray. You say, God, put some people in my life, Um, get me ready because I'm going to say something when the opportunity arises. Um, It's like it's like strength training before you go out and do something. You gotta you gotta get ready to do it. Great. Chris, anything to add to that? Um, and then when you pray for those, um, pray for those times to come, then you gotta be uh, ready to act on it. You gotta be able to jump on it, right? But then, like once you do it a few times, and once you just start getting in the mindset of literally almost everywhere you go, you just um, try to seek out conversations. Right. Like, instead of being quiet and just getting done what you have to do, you just kind of train yourself to right. slow down and. It kind of becomes the routine, yeah, given do it enough time. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you guys for coming and sharing. Um, we're going to close out. Um, I'd just like to close this out in a word of prayer today um, and just close out. And that's how we're going we're gonna to close out the next two weeks, um, the same way with kind of interviewing and just hearing. Because I think that's important for, you, for all of us to be able to hear um, how we can, we can do this and live this out better. So, so let's just close out in prayer today. God, thank you for this time. And um, God, I thank you for our church family and that we could, um, God, get together and encourage one another. Father, that's, that's the purpose of why we gather is that we could come around your word and that we could be encouraged and we could be pushed on, uh, Father, to, to following what you've called us to do closer and more intimately and more deep, deeply, Father. Um, God, I thank you for, for Sandra and, and Chris Andrew, God. I thank you for their testimony of, 
um, God, how you have called them to be intentional in, in the ways that they're intentional in, in their lives, Father. And um, God, we thank you for what you're doing through that. God, I pray for all of us as we try to be more intentional. Um, Father, as we try to be, um, God, just, just better witnesses for you. Um, God, as we go and we share the incredible story of your love and the incredible story of, of what your son came and did for us, God. So help us to, to walk in that this week, Father. We love you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, church, I love you guys. Uh, And remember, you guys are sent out today. See you guys next week.